Capital Market Insights from ICMA. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this podcast. I'm Charlotte Muller and serve on the ICMA Future Leader Committee representing the Swiss market. I work at Swiss Re, the reinsurance company, and I'm in the economic research department leading all macro forecasts and analysis for Europe. Today, I'm interviewing my peer, Patrick Sahner, who works also at Swiss Re and is head of macro strategy. Um, so with that, I'm going to pass on to Patrick to let him introduce himself and tell us also a bit more about what you do at Swiss Re. Sure, and thanks for having me. So as you mentioned, I'm the head of macro strategy at Swiss Re. In this role, I formulate the global interest rate and macroeconomic forecast for the group. I'm also a member of Swiss Re's Asset Management Investment Committee, and I and the team also provide the longer-term capital market assumptions for Swiss Re, as well as economic and financial market scenarios. Before joining Swiss Re, I worked at the World Bank Treasury in Washington, D.C., where I provided asset management advisory services to central banks and sovereign wealth funds. And prior to that, I was at the Swiss National Bank in the staff of the deputy governor. And importantly, I initially started my career as an apprentice at UBS. Thanks. And we might get to that um, later on. Um, so for today's podcast, we're going to talk first about your views on the macro environment. Um, but then secondly, also given we are centered here for future leaders, uh, we're going to ask a bit some personal career development uh, questions. Um, but with that, first up on, on the macro environment, given how much is still going on, um, so we're now nearly done with the first half of this year. Um, and as we look into the second half of this year, I wanted to ask you what's top on your mind when it comes to considering the global um, macro baseline outlook. Yeah, um, so in terms of our baseline view, we still expect to see a significant growth slowdown as well as a mild recession in the US by the end of this year. This is made even more challenging through the inflation picture, which is quite persistent, particularly in Europe. So the resilience of economy seen so far is for sure welcome, but we don't believe that this will ultimately last. Now, if a recession does come to fruition, it's clear that financial market pricing would need to change quite considerably because recession expectations at this point are simply not priced into equities and neither into corporate bonds. Great, thanks. So you mentioned there that financial market pricing, that might have to change. So that's in a way an underappreciated or underpriced risk. Um, would you say there are any other underappreciated downside or maybe even upside risks uh, to the baseline outlook um, that you think our listeners should watch out for over the next six months? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say there are two primary risks that I think are worth monitoring, one on the economic side and one uh, that is more financial market related. So let me start with the economic point. So headline inflation will soon drop below core inflation. As you may know, core inflation is often used as a proxy for underlying inflation pressures because it excludes volatile inflation categories like energy or food prices. So a lower headline than core inflation rate can create an illusion of having resolved inflation when in fact it's not. So if central banks were to loosen policy as a result of lower headline inflation, but before a 
deterioration in the labor market, it may well be that a significant inflation pressure returns at some point next year. So I think on the economic front, that is something to watch. The other point is on uh, financial market plumbing and functioning, which actually has deteriorated over the past years. So markets are not only vulnerable to the repricing of recession risks that we just alluded to before, but they're also prone to additional volatility spikes. So for example, measures of US government bond market liquidity are structurally weaker compared to the past. And the same is actually true in credit markets. Average daily trading values, for example, have decreased over the past few years. Primary dealers are warehousing less risk. And that all suggests that market functioning has become more patchy. In normal times, this isn't a big issue, but the structure of financial market now means that asset pricing has become more prone to gap risk and that sudden price jumps can actually accentuate volatility pre precisely in times when smooth market functioning is most needed. So I think these are uh, two points that are typically uh, not on people's radar, but I believe really um, warrant keeping a close eye on over the next couple of quarters. Thanks. No, those are two good points. Um, maybe then bringing it further on, because a lot of our listeners, they, they're more from, um, say, banks or asset managers, and maybe they know a bit less about uh, the insurance or reinsurance sector. So given you work for a reinsurance company, how would you um, say the implications of, of these macroeconomic uh, stories affect the insurance sector, for example, be it on the asset versus the liability side, um, or, or looking at inflation affecting, for example, claims? Um, maybe if you could just give a bit more color on the implications there. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so first of all, higher interest rates are generally very good news for the insurance industry. So for example, in Europe, between 30 to 70% of PNC insurers income is derived from capital markets. So higher interest rates, and if they stay reasonably elevated, have very positive implications on insurers in the medium term. Now that said, Inflation is a key challenge for the insurance industry because insurers hold a lot of inflation risk on their books, which is not easily hedgeable via capital market instruments. So to make this, uh, you know, illustrative and, and concrete, if you have car prices increasing and you provide motor insurance, then obviously you cannot hedge that uh, inflation via capital markets because there are no instruments that provide inflation protection against rising car prices. So insurers need to pull a variety of levers to deal with this, going from reserve adjustments to pricing changes to hedging the inflation risks to the extent possible. Um, so that's clearly a challenge, but one that I believe the insurance industry has recognized and is working on. But overall, I would say that the insurance outlook right now is a lot or is in a lot better shape than before COVID. Great, thanks for, for that. Um, maybe now we're going to switch gears to the second part of this podcast, which is more about career development, also in the context of young professionals. Um, so first question on personal development. So given you are a very also young, successful uh, leader, you started off from an apprentice to then becoming a director. Um, I wanted to ask you if you would have any career tips um, for how young professionals should navigate the early parts of their career. Sure. Um, 
everyone's career path is different, um, but I will mention a few things that have helped me progress, right? So first, I think you should pursue uh, what you are passionate about. Now, this may sound stereotypical, but forgoing passion for the sake of money is, in my view, not a sustainable career path and most likely uh, neither something that will fulfill your life. So if you enjoy what you're doing, you increase the likelihood of becoming great at it. So I think that's important. Second, have a growth mindset and be proactive. Try to uh, try out different things, especially earlier in your career. If you have uh, different roles in a company, if you have worked in different countries, if you read widely, this will all help you connect the dots and will ultimately be helpful in your career path. And also, if you proactively propose improvements and then also execute to actually improve the current setup, you will also strengthen uh, your reputation in an institution. The third point is around being prepared. I think if you prepare well for a job interview, for a client presentation, for interactions with senior stakeholders, you will come across as professional and trustworthy. And that in and of itself will uh, generate opportunities. And then again, if you prepare, you're able to seize those opportunities when they come. Um, fourth, I think it's also important to reflect on your soft skills and whom you can learn the most from. Clearly, hard skills are important, no question about that. But clear communication, teamwork, getting along with people and, and being able to create joint movement is equally important and that shouldn't be neglected. In addition, if you find a mentor who can share experience and provide insights, I think that is helpful for everyone. And finally, I would, uh, I would just like to stress that I think it's important to recognize that you are in charge of your life and your career, people can and often are willing to help you achieve whatever you want to achieve, but the initiative needs to come from you. Thank you for all the great tips. Uh, certainly agree. And on your last point, yes, that's something I always tell people who are starting off their career that a company can provide you the platform or the tools for developing a career. Um, but at the end of the day, it's up to you to make the career happen. Um, so the company should be seen more like a platform or a springboard for you. Um, and you get at the end of the day what you put into it. Um, and now I have another question. Building on the topic of career tips and linking this also to the broader macro environment or thematic shifts uh, that we've been seeing in the workforce since the pandemic with uh, greater working from home trends or also the greater presence of digitalization in the workforce. Um, my question is, how would you recommend young professionals to prepare for the future of work uh, with these different thematic shifts in mind? So I think there's always demand for people who are curious, for people who want to grow, for people who want to contribute and who show ownership. So young professionals should for sure get very well acquainted with new and emerging uh, technologies since this will allow them to leverage the skills that they have. But one shouldn't be afraid of those technologies. 
these technologies will provide fantastic opportunities in the future. And if you know how to deal with them, you are in a very good position to take advantage of these opportunities when they arise. So I think it's really something to embrace rather than avoid. And again, this curiosity, uh, wanting to grow um, and showing ownership, I think these are um, evergreen traits which will be required in the future as well. Thanks for that. Well, that's it for today. So thanks everyone for listening for this uh, mini podcast. If you want to listen to more podcasts, then just follow the ICMA website. And also if you're interested in broader future leaders events, they're also available on the ICMA website. We also have some educational trainings there. um, So do check that out as well. But with that, thank you also very much, Patrick, uh, for your time and for sharing your insights there. Um, some great tips that I think all of us can take on board. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more ICMA podcasts and further information on capital markets, please visit our website, icmagroup.org.